Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. We are working on uh, friendship right now. We're thinking about what it means to be a community of friends. And it's one of those things that is right under the surface. It's right under the surface of so much of Scripture. And I want to invite you today to read into Scripture a little bit about what it really means to increase our capacity for friendship. Because I am greatly convinced that the world needs a lot more friendship. And I am convinced that the way of Jesus opens the door for our capacity of friendship to grow and flourish. Now, I want to say that's not necessarily automatic, that second thing, because there may be places, there may be places where what we learn from the hand of Jesus challenges our previous notions of friendship in such a way that we might go through a phase where we find that Jesus makes it harder for us to sustain the friendships we've had in the world. We may even find that Jesus challenges the not just the particular friends we are. You know, I, I, I've, I've seen that kind of, you know, thought before that, uh, man, I, I know my mom and dad, they wanted me to have Christian friends, right? And, and I say, for my own kids, I want my kids to have Christian friends. And I'll say, sometimes I want to pr- protect my kids sometimes from friendships that aren't really healthy. From, anybody, am I, am I on my own here? You guys know what I'm talking about? And there, there's a balance of some of that stuff. Because when I first come to Jesus in my immaturity, there may be times where what I am learning from him helps me recognize that there are things in some of my relationships and some of my friendships that are unhealthy, that are destructive, and that aren't right. And sometimes you gotta tear down some things before you can build some things right back up in their place. Okay, but I believe, I believe that in Jesus, our capacity for healthy, good, productive, and fruitful friendship, I believe that capacity grows in the way of Jesus. And I believe that even when Jesus isn't talking about friendship, he still has something to say. So much so that uh, and, and I, and I want to be clear that I don't think Jesus just teaches us to be better friends with each other. Okay, what I said just a moment ago, I don't want you to give any kind of impression that what I mean is that we are only to be friends with each other. Okay, that Christian to Christian friendship is the only thing that Jesus will ever be satisfied with. What I mean is that I think sometimes Jesus needs to teach us what it means to be good friends with those who are outside the church. That Jesus rewrites the concept of friendship so that we may go and be better friends with even those people who do not share our faith. What a thing that would be, right? If the rest of the world could see the witness 
that, hey, those church people are my best friends. <laughs> Maybe not my best friends in terms of like, they're the people that I sing and dance with all the time. But when I think of the friends that bless, when I think of the friends that enrich, that make my life better, it's those Jesus people that make good friends. I want to tell you that my deep conviction is that mature Jesus people, they make great friends. Now, sometimes immature Jesus people, they hurt you a little bit. <laughs> but people that have followed along, who have paid attention, have given attention to the way of Jesus, over time, I believe it grows in us a great and rich capacity for friendship. Last week, we talked about how the situation sometimes feel like uh, friendship is a scarce resource in the world. And I don't think that's necessarily because of a lack of potential friends, but it is because too few of us have grown in ourselves the capacity to be fruitful, blessing friends to each other. And I think Jesus transforms that, enriching the soil so that it can grow giant fruit, teaching us what it means to become people whose habit of friendship is such that it is a blessing in the world. There are lots of passages that I think are not about friendship, but if you read them with the eyes of friendship, they do a whole lot to help you think about what is kind of great friend. In fact, a lot of the different passages that are in the scripture that help us envision the community of the church, what it means to be a community of disciples, also really has a lot to say about what it means to be a community of friends. Take the Sermon on the Mount and the things that Jesus has to say in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 about what it means to be people who, for instance, don't judge others severely, who will seek peace even when they are, are wronged, who will live in a non-anxious manner in the world. Don't all of those things, when pursued and mastered, don't they make you a better friend? A friend who will take you as you are, who will not hold an account of all the little things that you've done wrong, and a friend who doesn't just live captive to anxiety about what your relationship is like. It's a mighty good friend, isn't it? And there are a lot of passages like that. Whether we think about the soaring passages of Ephesians in chapter 4 when he's talking about what it means to live a life worthy of the Lord or what Paul has to say in Colossians chapter 3. Even the little discussion in Philemon has something to say about what it means to be good friends. Before a little bit of time today, can we look at a passage that we approached in our Bible classes a few weeks ago in Romans chapter 12. Can you turn to Romans 12 with me for just a second? In Romans 12, there is this sense, and you guys can all read that. Is that type? A little, no, I'm just kidding. You don't have to. Um, in Romans 12, 
Paul is talking about what it means to live out their discipleship with each other in community. And if you catch the flow just right, I've highlighted some of the texts in red that have something to say about friendship, I think, even though he wouldn't put it in those terms. And boy, that red looks like black up there, doesn't it? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought. A friend who doesn't just put himself on a pedestal can change your life in ways. He says, then you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that one has assigned. For it is in one body we have many members, and not all members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of each other. And then he says this, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us. And a friend who can honor what you do well and the difference between that and what they do well and that can recognize the distinction about what you both bring into the friendship and the relationship without needing to make you just like them. Is a friend indeed. Just like the church is built up by these different gifts that Paul speaks of, prophecy in proportion to the faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhorting, uh, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. And isn't a friendship enhanced by what comes in verse 9? Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Isn't that a blessing for a friendship? Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. A friend that can stand beside you in the moment of hope and also in the moment of suffering, who will be with you consistently in prayer, goes on to say, contribute to the needs of the saints and extend hospitality even to strangers. But isn't hospitality good soil in which to grow a friendship too? Hospitality makes a lot of difference. And I'm not just talking about having people into your living room. Sometimes it's just the space of opening yourself up to a conversation, making space for a few words. Maybe that's where a conversation grows. Can I show you a real quick, dirty little trick about Making a new friend. Can I do that? It's going to be kind of weird. Is that okay? Uh, you, you, you have to agree. Boom. All right. You can just see it coming. You're just the closest one, my man. All right. So when you talk with somebody, and you, 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 this is going to be so awkward in the foyer later today. I cannot wait because it's going to be, you're all going to be thinking about it. Okay. I brought a mic just so we weren't on different levels. Yeah, appreciate so I mean, the quality so of that. Uh, I need like, somebody else. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I need somebody else. Okay, come on, Peyton, come on up, Peyton. All right, thanks. Yeah, it's I really great. do need somebody else without a microphone. Um, all right, so hang out right there for just a second. Okay, hang out right there for a second. So Chad and I are talking to each other, and we could talk to each other like this. Now, he's Chad's been on a stage more than once in his life, and so he knows he's breaking us a real rule and turning his shoulder to you. Right. But Chad and I could be talking about something like this or serious. And if Peyton comes up, and if Peyton sees us talking, he, if being a person like he is of astute social skills, 
When, when Chad and I are facing this way for each other, Peyton's not going to get in that conversation, is he? He's going to see. He's just going to read the body language enough, and he knows to just keep on going by, okay? So one of the best things you can do to make yourself friendlier, some of you know who you are, okay? One of the best things you can do is make the habit when you're in a space where there's other people, just turn your body out a little bit. Watch. All of a sudden, when Peyton comes to, to, to be a part, there's space for him. And now here's what he could do. Well, let's go back here a little bit, all right? So let's say Chad and I are in this conversation. Peyton comes, and he takes this space right here. All of a sudden, that three space, that's as closed off as a cellar, okay? But if Peyton comes up and he joins our conversation, we can't stand like this. You know what we are now? We just bros having coffee in the foyer, okay? <laughs> and you know what? If we're doing that and we're just kind of watching people go by, all of a sudden, there's space for somebody else to join here. And the more people that come into our circle, we just kind of open up a little bit. Some people do this real naturally. Some of us need to think about it a little bit more. You know what we're doing? You know what this is called? This is called hospitality. It's being aware. And some of us need a little work on this. It's being aware when I'm engaged with somebody that I can, even with my body, make a little space. I can make a little space for some, everybody give these two handsome gentlemen a little. And y'all think I'm kidding, but somebody in the foyer out here in just a, in, in about a half hour is going to be talking with somebody and somebody's going to walk up and they're going to be like. And man, you pat that brother on the shoulder and you say, good job, you must have been listening this morning, Okay. Making space, creating hospitality isn't just about who you have over for dinner. Sometimes it's about when you're gathered for the beginning of Bible class and a new face comes along and you literally just scoot your body over just enough in a way that says, hey man, you're welcome in our conversation. You're welcome to be a part of who this is. It's little things. Little things, little things like turning your body just a little bit, little things like getting digits so that you can text somebody to have lunch later in the week, little things like asking somebody how their kid is that was having a struggle last week and following back up with them, little things that show that you are paying attention and that you are creating space. A community of friends is not just generated by huge dramatic moments by all the little things that Paul and Jesus teach us about how we relate to each other. If we focus in on verses 9 through 11 here, notice those verses, the one another sorts of passages. And they teach us something about what it means to be friends because I think good friendship has a one another sort of quality to it. It has a sort of quality that has some reciprocation, a little back and forth with it. The NRSV here in this translation uses another word, kind of inserts this other word into the, to tell us what he's, to get the flavor of it. And that word is mutual. It says love one another with mutual affection. It has a back and forth nature to it. And I want to say that of all the things that Jesus and Paul and the scriptures teach us about what it means to be in relationship with each other, this simple 
concept of mutuality goes a long way. Mutual love, love that attends to each other's needs in a mutual way. It keeps coming back to it. That one another phrase, some 47 times, roundabout, Paul instructs, Paul or the other churches and the uh, other writers in the New Testament give instructions about how they are to one another each other a little bit. Whether that's bear with one another's in the time of struggle, whether that's forgive one another, whether that is do not grumble with one another. There's a lot of instruction about what that mutual one another sort of relationship, the mutual relationship, what does it looks like? And the reason I think is, is that sense of one anothering, the mutuality that we share. Mutuality is essential for community. And a thriving community has a lot of people that give attention to those mutual sorts of relationships. Now, let us be wise about it. That doesn't mean that everything is the same or equal. Mutuality does not mean that if I'm happy, somebody else has to be happy just the same amount as I am. Or if I'm active in some certain way that everybody else needs to share the same activity in the same way that I do. Mutuality does not mean sameness, okay? But it means that we are attentive to each other in the dance of relationships and we are responsive to each other. That means there's some preservation of the need for us to be in different spaces sometimes. And I defer to you, and then some other time you defer to me. It may be that it works across time. And that sometimes we find ourselves on mountaintops, and sometimes we find ourselves in valleys. And mutuality means that my brothers and sisters know how to respond to me when I'm on the top, and they know how to respond to me on the bottom. And maybe when I'm on the top, I'm carrying somebody else who's laid low. But maybe when it's my turn to be on the bottom, I can rely on my brothers who love me mutually to take that time and pick me up a little bit too. Of course, the truth is that we all don't get the same numbers of mountaintops and valleys. And aside from the count being off, some people get lower valleys and some people get taller mountains. And it's not about does the tally sheet come out equally. It's about, are we responsive to each other? Do we share a commitment to be responsive to each other, no matter what comes in the future? That kind of mutuality, that kind of attentiveness and responsiveness to each other, it is essential for community. And I wish the world knew that that kind of mutuality is also essential for friendship, for friendship works best when the people who share it together are both being responsive to each other for the things that they need in that moment. And this is the way of Jesus. Whether we are on the mountain or whether we are in the valley, we don't go by ourselves. We go with each other.
We have a sense of solidarity with each other. Now, you may not have recognized it yet, but this is indeed a Baby Blessing Sunday sermon. Because what is it that I would hope that those little rascals grow up with? It's friendships like these. And for those of us who may not have had a life from the, from the womb on up where we've had that kind of friendship, it's not too late for us either. In a few moments, we're gonna welcome some new faces who are just new, who are new members here. And I would tell you that I hope the same thing for you that I hope for those little bitty babies that you'll find in this community, you'll find it to be a community of friendship, a community of reciprocality and mutuality where people show love one for another and take care to be responsive to each other. And if somebody shows up next week for the very first time, I hope they find it that way too. Because I believe that everybody needs some one another friends. Friends who are committed to having that sort of relationship with each other. And I grieve that so many people in our world don't have that. And because they don't have those one another friendships, they feel like they are lost in the woods taking care of themselves step by step. And it's dangerous and sad and tragic and it's not the way God intends for any of us to live. How many times have you read a tragic, awful news story? About somebody who was so lost in the world that their only resort was to shoot somebody. Whether it was a stranger on their doorstep or a bunch of people gathered together just having school. And don't you look at those faces and say, how lost and alone do you have to be in the world for it to come to that? Isn't that right? They must bear the consequence of their evil themselves. but I want to work towards a world in which no one is so lonely that they become so desperate and so afraid. And maybe that's an empty dream. Maybe it's too idealistic. But I rejoice in hope. I'm I attend to trying to be patient in suffering and I persevere in prayer. And I long for the day that all of us have those kinds of one another friends. And if I long for everybody down the street to have those things, I'm gonna do everything I can to build a community in which it thrives and exists. I'm going to turn my body out just a little bit and try to make space for other people to experience that too. Isn't that 
our calling. The incredible space of all of this is that somehow the mystery is not just that Jesus hopes that we will develop and cultivate those kinds of friendships, but that Jesus enters into the world to open up space and create just that sort of a friendship with each of us already. Over and over again, the testimony of the New Testament is that we are to welcome one another or to love one another or to one another, one another in some way, just as Christ has welcomed and loved and received us. Jesus has made space for us. May we be people who make space for others. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for welcoming us into the community of your friendship. And Father, thank you for seeing us through the mountaintops and the valleys for all of the hard times and bringing us into times of rejoicing and celebration too. God, we pray for the young children who have been welcomed into our family over the last year. We pray for them that they would grow in a community of friendship, that they would learn how to one another each other and learn develop the rich capacity to be friends who bring blessing to others. And Father, we pray this for each of us. We pray that you would buy steps along the way of the cross. Teach us what it means to lay down our own needs for the sake of our brothers and sisters and what it means to love each other deeply. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.